Kings and Queens, welcome to the JotURL audio experience. Hello, everybody. Uh, today we have a really special guest, Deepesh Mandelia, uh, who accepted to be part of, of our Facebook Lives. So thank you very much, uh, Deepesh, for being with us. And I think um, our users will have some questions for you. Um, Stefano. Um, Hi, guys. Is uh, with us. And um, actually, Stefano contacted Deepesh. So thank you to Stefano too. <laughs> and uh, so let's start. Uh, can you tell us something about you, Depeche? I mean, everybody knows you, but uh, maybe uh, the best way to know you better is hear your own words. And um, thank you. Sure, absolutely. So um, I, I'm Depeche. I'm here in London, UK at the moment. Um, so right now I run a Facebook ads agency. And more recently, I've started working in the kind of training and events niche as well. My main focus right now is Facebook ads, and it has been since 2017. And actually, my journey prior to that has come from many, many different channels. So I entered the world of marketing in 2005 after being a developer for about five, six years. So my, my background, my base is as a developer. My interest was really around user experience, and that kind of led me from back-end coding to HTML, and then from HTML to landing pages. And then I fell into e-commerce. So 2005, um, I started in e-commerce. And my first role was actually a website project manager. And essentially, it was landing page, analytics, um, A-B testing, user testing, all that kind of stuff. And, and that was like absolutely fascinating. So up until that point, I was a project manager. It was uh, technical. It was boring. But all of a sudden, when I entered e-commerce, all of a sudden, I could see metrics, I could see revenue and conversion, and, and, and this kind of really got me motivated. So since 2005, I've then moved into my first marketing channel was SEO, from SEO to paid search, to email marketing, to direct response, direct mail, TV, um, and, and many channels in between. And actually, in 2009, a big event happened to me. And without this event, I wouldn't have become an entrepreneur. In 2009, I lost my job. So I was at the job for about four and a half years. And it was around the time of the financial crisis. Lots of people were losing their job at the time. And because I was so experienced in the team, I didn't think that I was going to be one of them. But in 2009, it happened. It actually was literally 10 years ago this month. Yeah, July 2009. And it was, it was a complete shock. It was two months before my second child was born. It was a few years after we'd just bought a new house with a big mortgage. And it was literally like the worst time it could happen. Then when that happened, I thought, you know, it's fine. I'll get another job. For three months, I could not get another job because no one was hiring. And, you know, I just didn't know where to go with this. And I struggled and I actually hit a really dark place. I went into depression. Um, and, you know, when you get into that position, it's hard to get a job because even if you get an interview, you're not motivated. You don't have that passion. You're, you're kind of down inside. And, and so... A, I couldn't get many interviews, and the ones I did, I honestly didn't do well in them, and it took me a long time to get out. However, one thing that my wife said is, you looked at affiliate marketing a few years ago. Why don't you have a look at that? And then I thought, yeah, actually, I'm sitting at home doing nothing. Rather than just watch TV, why don't we look at affiliate marketing? In the space between 2009 and 2011, we hit seven figures through affiliate marketing, me and my wife, from home, just as a bedroom job, um, side job, I guess, alongside everything we're, we're doing. So. Actually, 
in 2009, I did get a job three months later, but I continued hustling with um, affiliate marketing. It took me six months to make my first commission. Like I was so close to giving up. And when that first commission came through, it was like a couple of pounds. It wasn't too much. But that was like, okay, I can, I can do this now. And then that over in the next 18 months, we took it to seven figures. And that was absolutely amazing. We felt like we're going to quit the nine to five. We've got a business, et cetera, et cetera. I was too naive and I started to hire people thinking they could do the same job I did. Within about six months, the business went to zero. Um, we, we lost our revenue. Uh, we lost our traffic, our business. It was just all, we made a big, big uh, mistake. So we did make some profit and we pulled that profit out, but it, we didn't have a business. So we had to kind of start again. And then from kind of 12, 2012 and 2013, because I relied so heavily on SEO and content marketing, I thought I don't have the energy to rebuild up SEO. Like what's, what's a fast way of getting traffic? At the time, it was really paid search that I was mainly focused on. But then I started to see more about Facebook ads and I saw kind of people were making money and stuff like that. So in 2012, I started to dabble with Facebook ads and it took me 18 months to figure out Facebook ads. It wasn't until about early 2014 that I was doing a contract role for a company and I looked at their performance. They were actually spending on Facebook ads already. They were spending about two or three K a month and making about two or three K back. So not spending a lot and also kind of negative in, in terms of profit. But I could start to see the kind of inner workings of kind of how they were trying to make it work. And I just thought I came out of the paid search world. I thought, let me just adapt some of their campaigns. And in the first month we did the uh, adaptions, I think we spent about um, four, four or five K and we made 10 K. So now all of a sudden we got two X return on ad spend. Then the following month we spent 10 K and made 50 K. And this was like unbelievable. I was working in a startup at the time. It was a company called Lost My Name which by the way, was quite popular in Italy as well. I don't know if you guys saw it. Um, and then in that space of 2014, in about seven months, we took the company from doing 800K the, the year before in 2013 to 8 million. And that was just through Facebook ads. And we were scaling like crazy. It was, it was really, really amazing. And, and you know, if you imagine 2014, if anyone was advertising back then, it was nothing like it is like that right now. There wasn't as many, much competition. Things were a lot simpler. And, and Facebook actually was... I think probably more stable in 2014 than it is right now as well. Um, so 2014 was great. That got us onto Facebook's radar. So they actually reached out and said, your, your growth has been phenomenal. Um, you know, we want to learn more about what you're doing. We got a better partner manager and things like that. Then in 2015, we took it to the next level and we took that $8 million company and generated $26.5 million in the next 12 months. And that kind of scaling at that time in 2015 was the fastest scaling that Facebook had seen, definitely in Europe, possibly the world as well. Um, but I know at least for Europe, it was huge. That got me flown out to Menlo Park to meet the Facebook team, the engineers, product managers. We were talking about all the crazy stuff we're doing. And at that moment, I realized how big Facebook was. Like it was absolutely insane. And, and let me just share with you, the biggest spend day we did was about 200K in one day. We spent 200K... Yeah. Or pounds, so about $250,000 in one day on Facebook ads. It was, I think, in November or December 2015. And like we were just pushing the money, pushing the money, and there was no end to the sales that were coming through. Roas was good, and it was just unbelievable, honestly. At the same time, it was really, really stressful. So if anyone has managed high budgets before, you probably, I, I don't know many people that have done more than maybe 50K a day, but 200K, the stress levels are through the roof because one little change in percentage of conversion rate or cost per click is like tens of thousands of losses, for example. So that's a really scary thing to do. And I, I 
as, as cool as it is, I, I don't want to do that again. It was just too, in, too intense. But um, it, we learned so much through that. So then what I actually decided is rather than kind of working for this company, I wonder if I can go and contract and start working for different companies to help them have, uh, get, get the same results. So I did that in 2016 and 2017. But one of the things that really bugged me, now if anyone here is advertising on Facebook, one of the things that you will um, recognize either quite quickly or you've, you've had this already is the support from Facebook is really, really poor. And that's the thing that really got me. Um, I'd worked with um, Google quite a lot prior to 2012. I'd spent millions on Google. Their service back then was so good. We got access to what we needed. We had like um, special round tables for people who are high spenders. And Google really looked after their people. Whereas Facebook, that didn't exist. And I'd argue to, even today in 2019, it still doesn't quite exist. So I, I, I actually had a conversation with a, a high-level senior uh, vice president based in their Dublin office here in the, um, not, not UK, because Ireland's not part of the UK. And I said, you know, the biggest thing that frustrates me about you guys is there's, there's people that are spending significant sums of money, and you guys are not supporting them. I think at the time, there was 5 million advertisers on the platform, and I don't know how many thousands of partner reps, but there's no way you can cater for so many people. And what they said to me is this. There's three layers of uh, support at Facebook. There's the marketing experts. They're the ones that email you and say, hey, we notice your click-through rate is 1.3%. Book a call. We'll help you increase it. Their knowledge is close to zero. In fact, you probably know more than they do. However, if you get that email, use it because it's the first stepping stone to you getting support. So like I see a lot of people get those emails and say, oh, I'm not going to call them. It's a waste of time. Yes, it will probably be a waste of time, but it's the first step to Facebook recognizing that you were interested in support. So jump on that call. Probably what they'll tell you isn't that great, but just take it and say, you know, it's been great and build that relationship up because as you start to increase the spend, Facebook are looking right. They did respond to that. They're increasing their spend. And then you might get the second level, which is a general partner manager. These people manage between 50 and 100 accounts. That's a lot of people to look after. And there's no way you're going to get the level of service you need. These people do have a bit more knowledge, but I'd still argue you'd probably have more knowledge on Facebook ads. But these are these partner managers are great for access. They, they will give you white papers, insights, all that kind of stuff. Then you've got your third layer, which is the high value, the high level um, team. They generally only work with smaller number of uh, clients, like 10 to 20 clients, maybe even less. And in 2015, when we were scaling, we had these high value team. And I learned a lot from these guys. Um, they they had among, amongst their clients uh, kind of gambling and dating and all these kind of clients that were spending probably like eight figures a year on Facebook advertising. And, and they were learning a lot. And I was learning, learning a lot from there as well. So you've got three layers of service at Facebook. Now, here's the problem. Now, if you're at the highest level of knowledge at Facebook, sooner or later, you realize you don't need to make work for Facebook to make money. And a lot of people then end up leaving Facebook. They start their own drop shipping or um, whatever kind of agency or something like that. And then they make even more money. So they've gone through the learning period at Facebook. They've, they've seen hundreds of client accounts and they've realized that they can leave Facebook and, and kind of do their own business. So Facebook have a big problem like a conveyor belt. People work their way up the ladder and then they kind of jump off. And the kind of senior vice president, what he said to me is, we don't have enough people and we can't hire fast enough. But he said in Europe, we're looking for someone who could represent Facebook just like John Loomer does in the US. So if you followed um, John Loomer, he's probably the biggest name in terms of training and support for Facebook. He's been around since, I think he's been advertising since Facebook started advertising in 2008, 2009, whenever it was. 
So he's he's always been there. And he has a great relationship with Facebook. He has a great community. And he has a one-to-one relationship with Facebook. And then he has a one-to-many relationship with all the people that follow him. And Facebook said to me, we don't have that in Europe. And they said to me, could you not do it? And I said, well, I, what am I going to do? I don't know anything about community or anything like that. I'm just kind of doing my job and stuff. But then I took the challenge on. So actually in 2017, I switched from kind of freelancing to starting my agency. And I figured that rather than working for kind of one or two clients at a time, let's grow an agency. And I could cater for 10, 20, 30, 40 clients. That was a bit of a mistake because um, we we learned the hard way. Running an agency is really hard work. Um, in the first three months, we grew to about 12 clients and a team of eight. Um, and we were doing, I don't know, 20, 30, 25, 30K um, a month kind of revenue numbers. But we had no process, no structure, no system, no idea how to kind of manage all of these clients. And we nearly closed the business down. I was working 16 hours a day. It was just, it was impossible. So we reduced our clients down, um, reduced our kind of team down, hired a project manager, and we started to rebuild the agency. And then six months later, the agency was in a much better position. So I was really happy with that. But there's one thing that was missing, which was every new hire we had, I was working with them personally to train them up on Facebook ads. And then I think I, I thought, wait, how do, let, let me create some SOPs, some standard operating procedures so that they understand my strategies. And then as I started to bundle all of this together, someone actually mentioned to me, um, you, you could probably sell this. Like this is really good material because I looked at the time in the market for good Facebook training my team could have. And there's nothing that quite followed the way I do it because it's quite different to a lot of the other people out there. So I built this training and early 2018, I published it. And it went live, I think we went through alpha and beta stages, went live in April last year. And then within a few months, we did 100K on, on kind of launching that course. And I was like, hang on a second, wow, that's pretty cool. I didn't know you could do this kind of stuff. So actually since then, I've started to put more time into training, coaching, events, masterminds. Um, in that time over the last 12 months, I've masterminded twice with Tim Bird, uh, masterminded with Nick Peroni, Dimitri Skiadis, and some other big names that you may or may not have heard of. And, and that kind of exposure helped me to understand that I actually found a new passion, which is actually these in-person events. So agency is great. Online training is great. But actually running these events face-to-face because you get to spend a day or two with you know, 15, 20, 30 people, and you see the transformation from the point they walk in and their problems and challenges to seeing them leave a few days later. And, and they've had all these kind of shifts in their mindset and, and their kind of res- their approach to their Facebook advertising, their business, et cetera. Um, like literally, I just got a, a messenger message yesterday from someone that attended my uh, San Jose mastermind, which was in early May. And he, he sent me a, a you know, typical Shopify screenshot. And he said, the investment in that mastermind is already 21x in terms of his results. And he's hit his first six-figure month. And he'd already been on the training program, but being there in person, he was able to ask questions. I went through his ad account and all that kind of stuff. So that, that kind of motivated me to do events a lot more. So right now, um, you know, I, I consult for Facebook as well. So based on 2014, 15 scaling, I work quite closely with a team in Dublin, which is the headquarters for Europe. Um, I run a Facebook ads community of around 10K people right now. And honestly, 18 months ago, I had no idea about Facebook groups and community management. And now I'm, I'm managing a fairly size, sizable group, which is pretty cool. Um, and yeah, like the the agency is doing well and it's operating on its kind of, um, it's operational. It, it runs mostly without me. Where I'm really focusing my time and attention is on the training. So whether that's um, the BPM method, which is my kind of yeah. 
signature training program, bpmmethod.com, my kind of coaching programs where we go through like weekly coaching and I can feedback more. And then these kind of events where we have in-person events, which generally have happened three or four times so far. And there's nothing else planned uh, after Vancouver in August. But then from 2020, we want to create a more regular program because I, I realized people actually need this. You know, not everyone wants to do an online training program. Um, and so that's kind of where we've ended up right now. And, you know, this is, and, and actually um, just to touch on, my affiliate marketing business is still running in the background at kind of low levels. Um, we did recover it partially. And I also run my own e-com stores because the way I see it is I need to, like, here's the thing. If you look at any um, sports person, let's say uh, Michael Jordan, he talks about the fact that even at his peak, he's putting in the same level of training day in, day out. doesn't matter how much he's achieved. He's still going on the courts two, three hours shooting the hoops. That's the same thing that I kind of see as my philosophy is, yes, I might be good at Facebook ads and e-com and all those kind of things, but I need to keep my skills sharp. I need to see what's working, what's not, what's new, what, what we can try differently as well. So I run my own e-com stores for that reason as well, just to make sure that, you know, as Facebook reveal new products or the algorithm changes or there's new e-com features, and I can always set the forefront of it as well. And that's something which if, if someone wants to keep their skills sharp, it doesn't matter what industry or niche you're in, you need to keep pushing yourself to achieve more and more. And that's the way I kind of do that as well. Cool. Wow. Thank you. Yeah, uh, thank no you so much problem. for sharing that. Yeah, <laughs> it was really fascinating and an exciting story. Thank you for sharing this level of detail about your life. I mean, personal, real life moments. And uh, for me, um, I mean, uh, in, in, in small dimension, uh, we had similar problems. So, so we... we we identify i identify myself with <laughs> the issues you 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 faced and um it was really exciting uh listening to that what do you think stefano uh, are you are you wordless <laughs> yeah but but can i have a i have a question about because you told us about your super scaling and uh, i i made your bpm method your course and mm. uh, uh Maybe you have some tips for our users about, about scaling because I know the B scaling, for example, or the H scaling, and maybe you have some tips to share with us. Absolutely. So I, I um, every two or three months, I put a poll in my group and I say, what's the thing that you're struggling with with Facebook? And eight out of 10 people will say scaling is their biggest problem. And when they say that, I know that actually it's not necessarily scaling. They haven't built up the foundations. So here's the thing about Facebook. The more you spend, the more stable it becomes. So for example, if I'm running an ad account and I'm spending 10K a day, I actually check on it less often. The results are more predictable um, and, and it's just less stress. When I'm running an ad account doing 100 a day or 1,000 a day, I actually have to monitor it a lot more closely because the results start to fluctuate. So the first thing about scaling is the quicker you can give Facebook lots of data, the quicker you get to stability. And when you get to stability, then scaling becomes so much easier. Like you, you can choose your uh, choice of strategies. Generally, you can make that work more stably. So the, the first part is how do you get your spend up? So forget scaling, because scaling can mean many things. Like um, if you talk about scaling um, cost per lead and you're doing lead generation, then you want to get your cost per lead down and you want to get your leads up. If you're talking about e-commerce, then you want to scale your revenue. So when we talk about scaling, 
I, I try and move people away from talking about scaling spend, talk about scaling your outcomes. So the revenue, for example. Now, if you look at e-commerce, you can scale your, um, your revenue by obviously putting more spend in. You can reduce the cost and therefore you get more. You can increase conversion rate. You can also increase average order value. So actually scaling has multiple factors behind this. That's just something really important to bear in mind. So for example, I'm running a webinar right now for my own products. We have an ad, we have a registration page, we have a webinar, checkout, et cetera. So it's really basic. Our cost per registrations recently went down because we did a lot of optimizations at the ad level. We're now working at the landing page level. We convert at maybe 30, 40%. We want to get that up to 50, 60%. Because again, the costs go down. We can put more spend into it. And, and, and the way I see that is there's four core pr principles that you have to get right before you scale. So I call it the core four um, principle. Number one is your product or service. So if you don't have a proper product market fit in the terms of you understand exactly what pain points you solve, um, what your place is in the marketplace, get the right price, figure out who your uh, ideal avatar is. Without that, scaling is not going to work because you, you can't scale a bad business. You can't scale a bad product. That's, that's one thing. Yeah. Then the second one is your audience. So really understanding your avatar, what their motivations. I, I create something called the 5W avatar. So there's five, five Ws. Uh, the first one is what, what you're selling. Second one is um, who you're selling to. And then you've got two more whys. So you've got why would they buy? That is more emotional. So that's more kind of right brain. Why would they buy? That's more functional. So that's more like benefits and things. And then the fifth part of the 5W is actually why not? Why would they not buy your products or service? And when you document that and you go deep into understanding your avatar, that makes everything else so much easier. You know which audiences to target, what kind of creative to use, um, what kind of angles to take, et cetera. So that, that's a huge part of it. Then the third part of the um, core four is your offer. Now, offer doesn't mean discount. Offer is how are you presenting your products or your solution to your consumer? That's an offer. So it could be a bundle offer. It could be discount offer, or it could just be the way you're presenting it. And I talk a lot about angles because, um, like, for example, jot URL. So you've, got, you've probably got lots of different avatars you could appeal to. There's freelancers and agencies, there's brand owners, there's marketers, and lots of different things between that. Now, if you guys were to run ads, you, you could go after, let's say, people that are interested in Shopify, but the angles you choose would determine which people in that audience are going to find your ad appealing. So there are some people who have a Shopify interest that are developers. Actually, if you find an ad that resonates with the developer about how easy it is to integrate, for example you'll get a different response to someone who's interested in Shopify, but who's a marketer who wants better data and inputs and stuff like that. So that's a big part of it. So you've got your product, you've got your audience and your offer. Then the, th the fourth part is your funnel. So your funnel is, as, as I was describing with the webinar, squeezing every part of the funnel to get as much value out of it as possible. So your funnel starts from your ad into your landing page, into your checkout, into your purchase. And testing that and making sure you got the best out of it. You've got fast loading times on, on your landing page because that makes a big impact on your costs. You've got high conversion, et cetera. And when you've got those four things together, scaling becomes so much easier. Honestly, like it, for me, it's, it's, it's obvious in my head. I know it's, it works. I've seen it work across not even hundreds, like thousands of ad accounts. But getting people to understand this is difficult because all they want to do is scale. I want to hit six figures. I want to hit seven figures. I want to get an eight-figure business. Yeah, but get your foundations in place. Like 
work on the boring stuff and the scaling stuff will happen. So I think that's my kind of, I hope that people listening do take that away, that get your foundations absolutely right. Um, Q4 last year, we took a company to, um, we kind of took them from seven to eight figures in three months. And we only did that because between us, we worked on those foundations. And in three months, um, I think we spent just under a million dollars and generated nearly $16 million in return. That's an insane return on ad spend. And it was done in such a short amount of time. But without having those pillars in place, they had a fast loading site. They had really high conversion rate. They already knew their customer inside out. They actually spent 20,000 euros. Taking, uh, this was a ski wear company. They, they took um, influencers to the Alps and did a photo shoot with them wearing all their ski wear. They spent 20,000 upfront to do that and gave us the amazing creative. So we, all we did is plug that into our systems and it just, it just scaled insanely. So like I see a lot of people struggle with Facebook, but I think they focus on the wrong things. They don't want to do the boring stuff like market research and audience research and testing and things like that. But honestly, get those four things right and scaling becomes so much easier as well. Okay. So before starting with scaling, do the homework. Oh, absolutely. Build the foundations. Like see it as a pyramid. The, the weaker the foundations are, the more, um, more chance your scaling is going to fail. That's, that's all it is. So I audit so many ad accounts. And it's the same thing happens time and time again. It's they, they haven't really understood their avatar or their offer is a bit weak. They haven't found the right angle. Um, conversion rate is low or page load is too high and stuff like that. So yes, it's kind of boring, but you know, get those foundations in place. Then actually, when it comes to scaling, there, there's a few different ways that we would scale up. CBO, campaign budget optimization, right now is my preferred me uh, method. And by September, you'll have no choice because that will be the only method of setting your um, campaign or, or setting your budgets. But with CBO, there's a few configurations you need to get right. And when Facebook launched CBO last year, it took me three months to figure out how to make it work. And I actually spoke to my rep uh, yesterday because I'm looking for some more material um, to share with my community on CBO. And I said, when Facebook release a product, the advice and knowledge they give you is really poor. And you always have to learn it for yourself, which I think is really not fair. I mean, it's a great new feature, but tell us how it works. Tell us how to use it. Show us demos and examples. So you have to figure it out yourself. And it took me, someone who spent probably over $30 million on Facebook in the last five years, it took me three months to figure out CBO. So if I struggled, I'm sure, and I know thousands of other people did as well. But when we figured it out, then we were able to scale up. So that three-month scale up from seven to eight figures would not have happened without CBO. Um, CBO, the cool thing about it is when you set your budget at the top level, your ad sets um, don't have to have a defined budget. What that means is in the current format, when you set your budget at the ad set level, you're telling Facebook, no matter what, I want to spend all of this. And Facebook will spend all of it. And sometimes good, sometimes bad. With a CBO, you're, you're grouping that spend up and saying, right, I've got $1,000 a day on a spend, but I want to spend it on the best ad sets. So that's one thing. But then you put some controls in place as well. So um, when you're running ad sets and your ads, if you see an ad that's getting too much spend that's maybe not performing, pulls it. And Facebook will automatically redistribute that um, spend out as well. And actually, the good thing about CBO is if you're spending 1000 a day, you can get up to 5000 really quickly, far quicker than you can at the ad set level. Because when you change ad set budgets, especially if you do more than 30 to 40% a day, it can have a big disruption. But I've, been, I've, I've scaled up um, CBOs more significantly, like 100%, 200% when we've got good stability. And actually, performance is more stable because it doesn't immediately push it into all the ad sets. 
it distributes it fairly. And then you put your controls in place to cut out any bad ads. And it seems to allow us to scale a lot better as well. Um, other scaling strategies like vertical scaling is probably the safest way of scaling, whether you're using CBO or AdSets, which is if, if so this is the rule I use. If today, sorry, if yesterday's performance is good, whether you're looking at CPA, ROAS, or whatever it is, and the last three days' performance is also good, i.e. it's on target, then increase your budget 20% at 6 o'clock in the morning. And actually, I use a tall reveal bot to automate all this. So I set that role, and it's the safest way of scaling because for me, it just works time and time again. You've got three-day stability. Yesterday was good. It fires. If you've got three-day stability, but yesterday was poor, then it won't fire. And it'll wait for another good three three day window. So that that you can almost set and forget. You, you obviously want to keep an eye on it as well. Um, other methods you can scale more aggressively than that, more, more than twenty thirty percent. You can go up to forty percent a day. Um, you can also do more more than one budget increase a day. But you're introducing risk, and this is the big thing about scaling: is everyone wants to scale up, but how much risk are you willing to take? That's the biggest biggest question here. So if you want to go from a thousand dollars to ten thousand dollars a day. First of all, figure out what kind of time period you've got. If you're promoting in you know, Black Friday and it's uh, Q4 and you want to spend as much as possible, you're going to have to take on a lot more risk. Whereas if you want to grow a business stably, then you don't need to take on so much, so much risk. Don't risk stability and be a bit more cautious with your testing and your kind of scaling, especially if you haven't done those numbers before, because you're probably going to hit things you don't expect as well. Something as simple as um, depending on your product, maybe you run out of stock or maybe your credit card maxes out or your um, like I had on my e-com store, I launched one in January, my payment processor shuts down and said, we don't support your business model. It was, it was an innocent uh, print-on-demand store, nothing dropshippy. We had an, a, a US supplier, but still Stripe shuts down. And, and these are the unexpected things you need to, you, you'll learn as you start to kind of grow, grow different businesses as well. Um, then you've got other ways of scaling, manual bidding, uh, going into different international markets, duplicating ad sets, segmenting ad sets. Um, like the list goes on, but honestly, that all doesn't matter unless you've got the foundations right. Thank you very much for uh, for sharing your uh, your knowledge. Uh, we have a question from uh, from Enrico that is asking uh, yeah. you: Have you tested the CBO in order to acquire data and have Facebook reveal its hand? The way I do is to by hyper segmenting and forcing Facebook to show where it wants to spend. This works for Tofu really well for me. What's your take on it? That's really cool. Um, the only thing is, so it's good for testing, but you won't get scaling through that. So if all you're doing is to find out where Facebook is pushing the data and put, put some controls around it, um, it's good for research. But if you want to scale that up, it causes problems. And the reason is, and, and so um, there, there's a new thing that Facebook uh, launched called Power 5. And the idea of Power 5 is, um, to really give more control to Facebook. That's the bottom line. So all placements, fewer ad sets, fewer campaigns, um, dynamic content optimization, which is where you can have one ad with many variants and kind of product catalogs. But what Facebook are trying to tell people is spend more time on your marketing and less time on hacking. And, and that I'm a big fan of because the BPM method, the brand-driven performance marketing method that I created is exactly that. So most people... In fact, everyone that's advertising on Facebook is, is a performance marketer. It's numbers in, numbers out, ROI, all that kind of stuff, optimizations, et cetera. Brand marketing is almost the opposite. So brand marketers generally don't get involved with numbers, but they are so good at understanding 
product market fit, avatars, angles, creative, et cetera. And what I try and do is bring both of those together and give you the best of that. Now, what Facebook are trying to push people to do is focus on marketing and, and less on the hack because the system is getting more intelligent. It doesn't work all the time. So it's not to say, you know, completely um, ditch some of the hacks and kind of splitting the um, placements and devices and stuff like that. But I, will, I do advocate what they say about focus more on your angles and your creatives and your funnels, which is exactly what I was talking about earlier. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's okay to show where Facebook is put, putting its spend. You can obviously look at your breakdown reports um, without doing that. And you can look at where um, your kind of traffic is going, where your performance is. If you want to split it out and you want to see exactly what Facebook's making of it, that's good. Just bear in mind that there are a few rules that you need to consider as well. So first of all, there's a limit of how many times you can serve an ad to one person in a day. I believe if they're not a fan, it's two. If they are a fan, then it could be three, four um, times in a day. The more you split the placements, the less chance of hitting them with an ad at the right time. So I'll give you an example. Let's say, for example, you're selling uh, women's shoes and you're advertising on all placements and you're kind of running 24-7 um, ads, for example. Now, let's say the woman that you're targeting, she wakes up in the morning, and as most people do, she switches on Facebook, and she's scrolling her feed and all that kind of stuff, and she sees your ad. She doesn't click, but she sees it, and like, all right, that's interesting, and just disappears. Goes to work, and then at lunchtime, she's browsing again, and your ad comes up again, and then she's like, and she clicks it, because now she's got a bit more time, right? Then later in the evening, she gets a retargeting ad from you, and, and you know that you're able to kind of bring her back into to your world. If if for example you limit your placements and you say right, I want to spend this much in Instagram, this much in Facebook, this much mobile, desktop, etc. Those ad sets can't see each other. So if for example the woman, for example, saw your ad on Instagram first thing in the morning, but then clicked on Facebook, that's part of her journey. Her journey is Instagram was the impression, Facebook was a click. If you split your ad sets, Facebook can't see all that. Because what Facebook have is data on every single person's behavior activity. So for example, and I know this is a fact, Facebook know and they, they track what time you actually log on to Facebook every day, what kind of actions you take, are you likely to click an ad, what times do you click an ad, what times do you view an ad and maybe click later. They've got so much data like this. So if you give Facebook that control, they know that this particular woman always goes on to Instagram first thing in the morning. So if you're going to hit her early as an impression, that's the place to do it. Then later on at lunchtime, they know that she's on Facebook. So they will know if you're selling shoes, and they also know that she's interested in shoes, show the ad on Instagram first, get the impression, and then get the click later. So that's just something I would um, bear in mind when you're looking to split your, your placements too much. Just consider what you're removing from Facebook's ability to build those journeys as well. Super cool. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Outstanding. And I think Enrico is happy about your, your answer. Awesome. And you probably you already introduced, uh, introduced this type of argument, but I want to ask you because I know that some of our users are mm. rookies. And what are three things you can recommend to a young guy that wants to, to start with, uh, with Facebook ads? Because you have a lot of expertise and probably you can avoid them some mistakes you, you made in the past. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the first thing I would say is I, I see a lot of junior people wanting to jump straight into courses. Don't. like Keep your money to do testing. That's the one thing that I would start saying is 
the more you test and you learn the system yourself, the better. There's lots of free resources. Uh, Facebook Blueprint is the most popular. The only thing about Facebook's Blueprint course, even though it's free, is it's hard to navigate. So a lot of people end up in Facebook groups, on YouTube, et cetera. Um, go there. Go and, uh, go and join these groups and go and start. Don't even start asking questions. Like This is one thing I would recommend people that are brand new to Facebook. Don't just start asking everything because what ends up happening is over time, people won't respond to you because you're asking the most basic questions that you can Google. Use Facebook groups to troubleshoot and, and get kind of experiences from other people. So rather than saying, um, you know, can you tell me how to upload a custom audience? Go and Google that. Don't put that in a group. You could say, I've been running ads. I've got this data. Um, can you help me to figure out what to do next? That's, that's a good question. So now you've got some spend. You maybe share some screens of your columns and stuff like that. Then you'll get some feedback from people in the group. Take that away. Thank people and start building out your tests. So first thing is start testing. Uh, second thing is use the free resources that are out there. Um, my group as well as other people's groups if you want. And the third thing is just kind of keep that um, in mind that the more effort you put up front, it will pay back later. Then at a certain point, you might hit the um, kind of wall on how do I scale this better? How do I actually put a system in place? How do I actually take this further? Then you've got a choice. You could take a course. You could take a coaching program. You could hire someone depending on where your business is. Um, but even if you are a business owner, um, you or someone in your team, if you're going to want, if, if Facebook's going to be important to you as a channel, learn it. Like just don't go and hire an agency or a freelancer straight away because if you don't know the language they're speaking, and they're going to take advantage. A lot of, you know, there's so many, the, the most annoying thing I see is uh, someone will post in a Facebook group, I won my first client. Can someone tell me how to do X, Y, Z? Like they have no idea how to run ads, but they've won their first client. Now they want to learn ads. I think that is really disrespectful. And I think it's really unfair that they're using a business, a legitimate business who's, you know, someone's livelihood is relying on this business as their first client. They've never run ads before. And, and that, that for me is a really kind of sad thing to see. Um, but I'd certainly use the groups in the right way and kind of try and get as much support from them as possible. Thank you. And Emma, one of our top fans, is, is asking you, um, are this type of, uh, this level of advice also apply to those of us who with a five to $10 daily budget? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so in terms of the advice there, you still need to get the foundations in place. You still need to um, have a good understanding of your avatar. And what I would use that five, $10 for is to test the audiences and the angles of the ads that I'm running. So let's say you find an audience in, um, I don't know, it's a fishing audience and people who are interested in one other interest or whatever it is. It doesn't matter about the audience size or whatever it is. What you want to test is what kind of ads do they respond to positively. So as part of my training, I create a process called the graduation testing framework. And what that does is I do really low-level testing, low-cost testing, but I'm just looking for a match between the audience and the ad. I'm not looking for leads or registrations or purchases because that's going to cost me more. And the analogy I give is, so pizza is my favorite uh, food. Now, if you were to try a pizza, how would you know whether you like the toppings or not? You don't need to eat the whole thing. You just take one bite and you'll know whether it's nice or not. It's the same thing that applies with ads. If you serve an ad with low cost and I look at impressions, not spend, if I've got between two and 3,000 impressions and the click-through rate is really bad or the cost per to cart rate is really bad or um, I, I see kind of really bad metrics, then I know that the audience and ad didn't match. So that's the way I kind of do my early testing because when I um, started with Facebook ads, 
back in 2012, 2013, I was also spending like 10, 20, 30 dollars a day. And I didn't want to overspend. I didn't want to waste that money. So I found ways to maximize my testing, maximize the data, then find the winning ad set and the winning ads. And then what I, what I do is graduate that. So I have a separate testing campaign, really low spends to find my potential winners, and then move it to my scaling campaign to now see, can I actually spend more money here? Could I actually scale this up as well? Super. So thank you very much, uh, Deepesh. Uh, yes, let's I, see don't have, I don't have any other question. I'm just Joe drop it there. <laughs> yeah, let's check if there are other questions. Um, I don't think. Uh, I so, saw that Emma wants, wants to meet you in Vancouver. Yeah. In, Thurston, in August. And, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I mean, it'd be great to see you guys there. Um, so we've actually only got three places left. So um, yeah, if you're interested, let me know. And so actually, if you are interested in Vancouver, um, the promotion we're doing right now is you can attend, plus you get my full training program, plus you get three months of support as well, um, which is a huge value offer. Um, but if you guys are interested, um, yeah, reach out, absolutely. Emma, the link is in the comment. Check it. Free, free, free place left. Uh, okay, I don't have any other question. I don't know, Janos, if you want to say something, but I'm really. I, I think. Uh, I think. Um, no, I don't have any questions. I was. Um, I mean, I have to think a lot. Uh, the whole, a lot about your tips and everything you said. Thank you very Do much. You guys run uh, uh, Facebook ads right now for your own. Um... So yeah, actually, actually, yeah, actually, yes. We will uh, start running Facebook ads very, cool. uh, very soon. So um, we, we are fixing we, a, we are fix, fixing a foundation. Absolutely. Yeah, right. We are running right now. We are working Absolutely. on foundations on the strategy, and on the right angles, which, uh, as yeah. you mentioned before, is is the hardest thing. Absolutely. And, um, so, um, and and you know, one of the things is some people say. Um, you know, Facebook doesn't work for B2C. It's only B, uh, sorry, it only works for B2B, uh, B2C. B2B doesn't work on Facebook. That's not true. Um, I, I've scaled some businesses. In fact, when I started my agency in 2017, our first client was a B2B client. And we were spending 10 to 12K a day generating leads. They then took those leads and closed them on the phone. And they were selling um, services. Um, it was like an employee benefits program. So was, we were targeting employers on Facebook. And we, the way we cracked it was not so much in our audience research, but we had amazing, amazing creatives. And we had a way of, in fact, here's another tip, which is when you're running your ads, there's only three things your ad needs to do in the newsfeed. Number one, you need to get them to stop and take notice. So Facebook call it thumb-stopping content. So for example, the, the most part, important part of your ad is the creative or the thumbnail. That, that's the thing that's gonna get them to take notice first. Then the second thing, is you need to get them to engage. So that's where your video or your copy or whatever it is, uh, is important. Then the first thing, the third thing is you need to get them to take action, whether it's sign up or click or find out more or buy or whatever it is. That's all you need to do. And when you break that down into your ad, then you look at how you structure your copy and get people engaged, do story-based or kind of testimonial, social proof. It's actually quite easy to construct that up. And especially for B2B, like for example, for you guys, um, I would be focusing on a pain point. Like what's, what's the something in the newsfeed in, in terms of the pain point for your kind of uh, key angles and your kind of key market and the creative that matches it. So for example, um, if a pain point was 
um, I don't know, related to attribution or something like that. It could be someone's face and they're like in pain like that and maybe use colors to make it stand out. Now all of a sudden someone's going to stop because that's a, it's a, it's not a normal ad to see. And then you call their pain point out in the first two lines. Like those first two lines of your ad copy are the most important because people will either decide to click or engage or they won't. And also, click-through rate isn't everything you need because if someone doesn't click and they're not your market, it's better to save your money and not not have them landing on your page, for example. So, uh, for example, some people um, call out, um, if, you, if you're a business owner and you're struggling to attribute your marketing spend, then that immediately calls out the right person. So you're a business owner and your marketing attribution is important to you. So it's those kind of things. And then you have your copy below that explaining the problem, the solution, your story, or however you construct it as well. So that, that's kind of a, a big thing about creating your ads. You have to kind of really appeal to them emotionally and bring in the functionality to really kind of close that click. Thank you very, very much for your advice. Uh, we will think about that very carefully. And, um, and, and it, it actually fits a lot uh, for us. Cool. So uh, I think that um, let's see. If in the meantime, we have in the meanwhile we, we got other questions. Super interesting. Uh, okay, they have learned a lot. Everybody is happy. We are very happy about that. Okay, so I would like to thank you again, uh, Deepesh, for joining us. It was really an honor having you here. Uh, great pleasure and. Um, and thank you uh, to all of our users who followed us uh, during our live Facebook. So have a thank nice day, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.